What is up, everybody? Am I buzzing the mics already, that buddy? That was hot. <laughs> Coming in hot. <laughs> Swags here in studio with the Prophet. Prophet, say hi to the folks. Hey, everybody. How we doing today? Happy Super Bowl Saturday. Super Bowl Saturday, February 3rd. Exciting. Super Bowl 52, Nikki. How exciting. Super Bowl LLI. Are you up on your Roman numerals, buddy? No, I used to... St- I used to know all of them. They used to make us study all them in school. It's weird how they do it, right? Like the L's and the X's and the I's behind there by fives and tens. Yeah, it's like subtraction. You got to do some addition. You got to do some letters. It's like you get a little mix of everything. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty weird thing. Listen, the city of Philadelphia is alive. Everybody is pumped and ready to go for the Super Bowl tomorrow. We're going to bring you a content-packed show today. Jam-packed full of content. Jam-packed full. As usual. As usual. We might take some callers today. We are taking some callers today. Um, really pumped for today's show. Always be back in studio. You know, it's nice to be on uh, the studio mics. Get a little more bass in my voice. <laughs> yeah, I think we we tested that bass a little early. We were hitting some red. Yeah. That's yeah. all right. Yeah, you know. you know. So uh, It happens. Before we get started here, one thing I wanted to touch on. So this morning, actually, a uh, big shout out to Dave Big Stud Webb. So he retweeted me something that my boy Johnny Manziel tweeted out. Does he? People follow him uh, still? Dude, I follow like, him on every social media platform. What, the, what is he doing? Dude, he's working out hard. He's doing a big comeback campaign. For what? For well, the XFL? I think, well, <laughs> <laughs> I think he wants to either XFL, NFL, or maybe Canadian Football League, something. He's, are he's, they talking about taking him? He looks good, man. He's he's working out. He looks great. His videos are awesome. He's he's looking good. I, I, he never looked bad playing football. Right. Well, I think he's he's recommitted now, so it's awesome. So what he what he tweeted out today was, you know, I'm trying to get in on it, and I told him we were going to talk about it on From the Hill. We should have got him to call in. I, I would, I'll do it if he will. <laughs> I'm going to tweet this show out. Probably him. just take like a yeah, so a, a Finsky or something. Yeah, so he call in. He's giving out five signed jerseys, and I was like, dude, if you hook me up with that jersey, I'll wear it on the show, and then I will frame it in the back. It'd be awesome. We could have sent him a bottle of Vladdy or Nikolai or something. He probably would have called up. Look, Johnny, if you want, we'll hook you up with some From the Hill gear. I need some yeah. comeback season gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a, another reminder, if you haven't gotten your FTH swag, we got it. They glow in the dark. It's pretty cool. The koozies didn't come in yet, but I think this week, the, so we'll show them yeah. for the next show. Yeah, we're, we're waiting on that. the koozies. We're, we we have a call in to Bezos, and uh, he should be getting back to us shortly here on the koozies. But glow in the dark bracelets, it's where it's at. They're going like hotcakes. Maddie, Come get them. Maddie, the boy wonder. Gledhill hooking us up with an FTH logo. So we got a, we got a lot of stuff in the works, man. It's good yeah. stuff. Growing quick. So, you know, I saw something interesting, Nick. Uh, I want to bring it up because I thought it was an interesting fact. Can you drive a manual car? Um, this is embarrassing. Well. But no. So you shouldn't. <laughs> I've, I've tried. It's not easy at I've first, stalled, right? I've stalled them out. So you shouldn't be embarrassed because let me read the stat to you that I wanted to talk about. So they, I saw an article about this on Yahoo. Only 18%, they did a big poll, 18% of Americans can drive manual. That's less than one in five. Well, do people still have manuals, manual yeah, cars? Well, what's happening is only 5% of production cars now in the U.S. are manual because um, very similar to, to my car right now, they've come out with the uh, – the manual gearboxes that don't have a clutch pedal, so the computer will shift for you. So you're getting the power of the manual car, but you don't have to shift. 
what's what's the point of having the manual i mean other the honestly when i was looking at a car when i was like 16 i'm like i'll get a manual because they were like a thousand dollars cheaper yeah well everything about them is that so, the only reason well no there's a couple things so the manual gearbox itself right you get more power in the vehicle so you see the vehicle a, yeah sports cars the vehicle right. big term technical the sports cars you get more horsepower and you get more power when you're in manual than you do an automatic and you have more control over the car because an automatic car shifts for you right so it's uh it's a thing, but yeah, man, less and less and car, less. Dude, car stuff. Like, I don't know the first thing about cars. You know, you know, I'm a car guy. Yeah, I love my yeah, car. You got a carbon fiber uh, hood <laughs> and uh, <laughs> cold air intake on my M3. And uh, vroom, vroom. you have the um, the exhaust that makes the obnoxious noise. No, night. I don't have that. Stop it. Don't <laughs> don't tell the people lies. You know, that I was, don't have that. That was my dream car. Yeah. Fast and Furious came out. I was like, I'm gonna get the green, like Eclipse. The, what's it? No, the the stuff that uh, the under. Oh yeah, the um, underlights. Yeah. Oh yeah. The downlights. Yeah. Dude. Nah. Yeah. Like asking to be arrested. Yeah. Pulled over. Yeah. It's no good. No good but, at all. All right. Interesting to start off the show with some car car talk. Yeah. We get. We, right. You know, we're we're from the hill. We bring all kinds of content. Yeah. We're so worldly. Let's jump into some sports talk. So the big big story of the week here, one of them was. Uh, the offensive team nicknames thing has come back to the forefront here, and the Cleveland Indians announced that starting in 2019, they're going to get rid of Chief Wahoo. Yeah, I saw that. Um, that's I. I don't know, man. I feel like the uh, I feel like the name Indians is more offensive than I don't know. Maybe it's the col- the color of Chief Wahoo. If he wasn't red, it would be less offensive. But the name Indians in itself. If you're going to get offended, that's that's where it starts, I, I think, because, you know, it's Native American now, right, obviously. Right. No, I agree. Honestly, when I saw this, I was really saddened by it. I didn't realize that Indians, the team name that the Cleveland Indians were, like, on that offensive trail. You know, obviously, we all know about the Redskins because that's, like, a really offensive well, term. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just that's just kind of blatant. Yeah, I and, mean, Levitar calls them the, the Cleveland racial slur or the Washington racial slurs. It, it, and it's just been, like, <laughs> grandfathered in over time to – and it was it's weird because as a kid growing up, like you just call them Redskins, like you don't even think about yeah, what it means or you have anything. No idea. But I mean, that's that's the blatant one yeah. that has to would have to go first. So 100%. I don't I don't know if there's been any talks or anything like that about uh, a a timeline of when that's going to go away. Yes. I know it was kind of a hot topic a couple of years ago, but there has. So what I heard first, I'm really saddened to see Chief Wahoo go only because I'm such a huge fan of the major league movies. Yeah, it was. And it's kind of a cool logo. Yeah. Like, I, and I, now it leads me to, are they going to end up changing their team name from the Indians? You know, I mean, they're, that's I would a think storied they would, they franchise would, they would move that in way. major league baseball. They've been around since the thirties or forties. So it sucks to see something like that go. Um, I love the major league movies and the whole the whole shtick. So yeah, it's pretty. Those are those are great movies. They're up there in like they they might be my. I think we didn't we go over this. Yeah, they're in my top three. Both yeah. of them. Oh, they're great, incredible. It was remember the Titans, and then both major, major leagues, leagues are my favorite. Bob Uecker is so incredible you in those movies. Yeah, you can't beat you can't beat that. Yeah. So and and the incredible acting chops of Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah he was you know he should have been up for a. a uh, an Oscar. Hey, Dorn, don't give me none of this Olay bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so what you were talking about, your point, the other teams that you have to look at that are left are the Braves, the Chiefs, and then the Redskins are the big one. But I did hear an announcement this week from Daniel Snyder that they have no intention of changing the Redskins brand name or anything. So I I don't know if that's actually ever going to happen. I know he gets a lot of pressure. Got your chant? 
Yeah. I, I have them listed here. Like, so the Braves to me, I don't know. That's not offensive to me. Well, he, and maybe, maybe I'm missing something in that, but... I don't find I don't find the name Braves offensive, or they. I kind of looked up some some names that were um, associated with different Indian tribes. And I call them Indian tribes. I shouldn't say that. Native American tribes. Right. And um, you know, like there's. I saw a list. There was like Aztecs and Braves and Chiefs and stuff like that. And those things were real. Like the Braves weren't. The, isn't that like a? Sure. It's kind of a. Is it? the name of a tribe or is it complimentary well, he, or like what is that here's the thing about the braves and remember Warriors. remember the braves are in atlanta now but they actually originally were the milwaukee braves right because yeah. that area of the country has a much bigger native american presence than does atlanta yeah. right well, everything up there's the you know right um milwaukee is is supposed to you know go back to native american that's right that's right and so and that to me honestly the only one and the indians even wasn't that offensive to me the biggest one is the redskins <laughs> that's just i don't know like I heard I heard this uh, this one thing, and I know he's not in good standing with the world right now. But Louis C.K. has like this this bit about Indians, like when when they came over on the boat and they saw them, they're like, "You guys are you guys are Indians, right?" And they're like, "No, we're not Indians." And he's like, "Ah, you're Indians." <laughs> he's like, "And we still call them that." Yeah, and it's it's messed up. Yeah, yeah. But, but so the the other thing that came up with this whole thing, right? And I I just had to bring it up. We have a big Notre Dame fan base presence that listens to the show. Yeah. So Max Kellerman this week, they bring up the Fighting Irish guy, and they say, well, if these Native American terms, Redskins, Indians, Chiefs, Braves, are offensive, what about the Fighting Irish? And Max Kellerman goes on and says that yes, he's offended by that. So. I don't know, you know, you folks know my last name is McGuigan. Let me tell you, I am zero percent offended by no, the name fighting Irishman. I'm not offend I'm not offended by it, but like if you look at the guy, he's a short, balding, fighting, maybe drunk elf. I mean, it's completely <laughs> it's completely he's like all of those things. Right. If you were if you were gonna talk about stereotypical and racist, like he would fit the bill to a T. Just like right? weird from like a weird mascot standpoint. That's a that's pretty like a, oh hundred percent like an elf, but the the whole Notre Dame contingent or all the Irish people in this country, Irish Americans would never none of them. You're not gonna hear any of them say they're offended by the Fighting Irish. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing. I don't think they. I, I'm not I'm not offended by it. I'm a little bit Irish. I'm not I'm not as Irish as McGuigan. But um, <laughs> I don't even look Irish, bro. No, I I, I don't I don't mind that. No. I don't I don't mind that the Fighting Irish guy. He's kind of like one of the storied mascots college football i mean 100 percent. but yeah th just to run down like the braves chiefs yep. redskins indians the blackhawks yep black the warriors the warriors um like the warriors that's 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 cool to me that's cool. I, don't, I don't find that blackhawks i think is cool a lot of these i think are cool but honestly. i found I, f I did find them on the list of right offensive names like the warriors that's it's kind of like compliment like yeah you're, the, you're a warrior well so the do seminoles you, do you remember do you remember the most offensive team name in the history of sports that they ended up having to change it's nba for a hint uh it's close to home here in philly no the washington bullets what why what's wrong with well that? because there was that big crime spree in the dc area and people were getting they had like the highest per capita murder rate killed with guns That's why they named the team that? well no they changed the name from the bullets to the wizards because the bullets was so negative <laughs> like you get like your team name is the bullets That's stupid <laughs> they had the old bullets logo with the guy kept that. it's the guy I with like his hands that. in the air for the basketball yeah, yeah. i remember that though. yeah and they cool. went to the wizards 
Yeah, the wizard's a very intimidating mascot. Yeah, real real intimidating. All right, Frodo and Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. I don't know. It's it, it's funny because, like, you go back in time when they, they make these mascots, and over the years they just get – they just lose their – they lose their edge. You know what I mean? Like, the wizards back then was cool. I was like, oh, yeah, the wizards. It's a new team. And now it's like, you guys are the wizards? Yeah. The wizards, yeah. There's there's probably a couple of them like that where they they started out like, I don't know, the Scarlet Knights, like yeah. I don't know. That's you get a lot of crazy ones in college. No offense to Rutgers people, but yeah, yeah. The college ones are strange. Be careful with Rutgers. We are in Jersey right now. I know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, the Scarlet Knights, the Shockers, like the I don't know. What are some other weird ones that you can think of? Well, so I'll tell you one that I really like. It's cool. The Raptors. Yeah, that was a cool one. The Raptors. Now, that's that's a, uh, one of the ones where you, if you look at their uniforms when they started out. It was a dinosaur. That's <laughs> like when you look back. It was like, a dinosaur with a basketball. That's pretty corny now. <laughs> yeah. But back then, we're like, oh, that's sweet. That's awesome. I'm Raptors, man. Raptors starter jacket. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was uh, – yeah, I still I still do like that. And they've kind of developed their uh, their mascot and logo over the years to, to keep it cool. Oh, yeah. So – yeah, I like that one. I like that one. Um, yeah, so tell us uh, tell us what uh, mascots you guys like. If you're offended by any of them, what are your favorite team names? What are your worst, least favorite? You know, the other thing I want to mention right before we, we get into other stuff is there's there's some weird combinations that you see in terms of, like, the Braves because the Braves moved from Milwaukee, right, to Atlanta. Yeah. You know, like the Lakers in L.A. doesn't make any sense, right? But you know they originally yeah, Min- the, Mil- the Milwaukee Mil- Lakers, no. I believe, or Minnesota, Minnesota, one of them, yeah. And so where there's a ton of lakes, Minnesota? I thought it was Milwaukee. Oh, no, we sound stupid. Though. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's in that area where there's a ton of lakes, and they moved to Los Angeles, but they're an iconic franchise as yeah. the Lakers. But how many how many lakes are in L.A.? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't see too many people out on boats and lakes in the middle of Los Angeles. No, but that's an interesting transition that you make there uh, for Los Angeles basketball. True. I don't know if you want to jump into that. Go for it, Nikki. So we were talking. We wanted to talk. Actually, real quick, before we get into it, I forgot to give you guys the old mention. Remember, when you watch From the Hill, everything will be timestamped in the comment section. So if you just want to jump to your Super Bowl stuff or the picks or the calls or anything you want, go ahead and check the uh, the description of the video below, and you'll be able to move to where you want to get to. So back to the topic at hand. Nikki's bringing up the LeBron James hot stove. Hot stove is a term we like to throw around a lot amongst ourselves. We got the LeBron James hot stove. Go ahead, Prof. Tell us what you it's think. It's something new every day at this point, right? And it's getting it's getting now to the point where it's it's almost annoying to watch him talk to the media every day and something new comes out. But it started uh, earlier this week. I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday, and there was word that there was um, there was rumors that LeBron they were trying to free up space with the Warriors for LeBron to go to the Warriors. Yeah, which would turn the NBA into even more of a joke than it's. That it is right now. So I have my thoughts on the Warriors one right off the bat. And what I really think it is, to be honest, because you know how LeBron is big into social media and he's very cryptic and he you know, he plays off of all that stuff beautifully, right? It's We like to make fun of him for it, but he actually always knows what he's doing. <clears throat> my thing with it is I think the Warriors are trolling him. Like, you know LeBron would never go to the Warriors at this point. I don't know if he wouldn't or not. I, I don't it's, it's personally think he a, ever would consider that. The league has become like so weird and top heavy like for especially in the west where the warriors can't get they can't lose anybody they're not gonna lose to they're not gonna lose to the rockets no way um and now you see it where things are just hitting the garbage disposal in cleveland (laughs) 
And um, it's all Kevin Love's fault. Did you hear that? No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's all Kevin Love's it's fault. It's Teron Lou's fault. It's Teron Lou's fault because there's nobody managing the 75 ego. 75, there's like 10 guys on the basketball team, but you know what I mean. Like We're all the you. egos that go on within the team, Teron Lou's just like, LeBron, what, like, what do you want to do today? We can do whatever you – they don't run practices. It's all the LeBron show. He's the star player. He's the general manager. He's the coach. He's the, he's the media darling. He's, he's, the, um, he's, he's the object of everything. He's the center of attention in everything in Cleveland, and Teron Lue has no control over it anymore. None. I mean, I don't know if he ever really did. I mean, do you remember LeBron handpicked Teron Lue after he ran? Well, wh- yeah, because he's a puppet. Right. He's a puppet. That's what LeBron wants. And, and that's why, um, you know, it's, when you see something like this, it kind of gives you more respect for guys like Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, um, you know, some of the other. Who, sure, Greg Popovich. Guys that can manage these egos and these, these star players who yes. can do whatever they want yes. whenever they want to do it. That's 100% right. And but then, still, they know, like, they would know who's boss. Like, Phil Jackson ran that team. Right. Um, it wasn't Michael make, calling all the shots. It wasn't, you know, Scottie Pippen calling all the shots. Same thing with, with Riley. Hundred um, percent. And the thing about the thing about that is, and you make a great point about the great NBA coaches. One of the things that comes along with being an incredible NBA coach is the ability to manage those personalities and those egos. Because remember, unlike any other league, one player in the NBA makes such a difference, and these star players drive everything about the NBA. So you've got to balance that line of being the coach of the team, drawing up plays, appeasing your star players, keeping them together when you have multiple ones. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Right. You know, it's a, in Miami, Pat Riley was the architect behind that team, but Eric Spolster was the coach, and he handpicked him for a reason because Eric Spolster was a great X's and O's guy, but he also had that ability to relate to the players and control those egos, and that's why Miami ended up working out so well. Yeah, you know, I don't know about Spolster because I, you know, I, don't, I don't remember much of him talking or anything like that. It was more the – that was the first super team. Right. Yes. Uh, well, no, I think the Celtics were the first super team. Uh, yeah, the you're KG, right. Ray right. Allen, Paul Pierce. That sort of started the movement. Right. We all forget about that because we remember LeBron and the decision. Right. But the Celtics really started that. Let's get together and let's win a championship. Yeah. And you, well, the thing of, of Miami is, would they win two? Uh, three, I believe. Two. Two. They, yeah, they, they went lost two and two. One to, they they, uh, they bookended, yeah, they bookended their. Uh, wins with losses. They would right. lost two wins and then another loss. But to look at their lineup and, and for them to even lose one it was was weird. Well, the, the Dallas series why... is going to haunt LeBron for the rest of his career because they're up 2-0 against a inferior Mavericks team, and they totally collapsed and let the Mavericks come back and take that series. Right. And, and you know, maybe Spolster, to a certain degree, was was a good manager of those uh, egos, but um, the, the two that come to mind are really... I mean, Phil Jackson, he did it with two different teams. and Oh, yeah. With, and with Kobe, Kobe and Shaq. Michael, two oh, yeah. of the Huge, most... egotistical, yeah. best one, best two guards of all time. But there's giant egos that come with that, yeah. right? Pretty pretty impressive. But, yeah, so that's that's the rumor from LeBron. And I'm just getting – it's becoming more of a soap opera every day. And it's really, uh, I think, dropped LeBron's um, – poll numbers if you know his his likability for me anyway and i personally think that he loves that i think he likes going to heel to babyface, villain to hero i think he loves it he loves the ride yeah. he loves that up and down that's that's what lebron does yeah so that was the that was the talk in the nba and then yeah go for it before we leave the nba big trade this week huge trade actually bigger than i think people actually give it credit for you know especially because it was coming from the West Coast with the Clippers, but Blake Griffin 
gets himself traded. Well, he didn't get himself traded. They traded him. To no, he, he might have got himself the Pistons. Traded. Well, I actually have a theory about that of why he didn't get himself traded. But Blake Griffin's now on the Pistons, and this has reverberations throughout the NBA. I mean, when he's healthy, I said he was a top 25 player, maybe even a top 15 player in the I, NBA. I disagree with you. I disagree Tell me why. Because I went through the, a list in my head, and there's a couple reasons why, you know, you set, you put the asterisk in front right away. You said if he's healthy, right? Well, yeah, that's a so huge that's part. The, that's the first thing. So he's going to be 29 next month. We all know once you get to 30, at least I know once I got to 30, <laughs> starts, your body starts hurting a little I'm, bit I'm more. Not, I'm not 30 yet, man. Yeah, right. You're older <laughs> than I am, aren't you? I'm 32. Yeah. So I, I think that um, for a guy that plays the way he does, his body's his body's going to start deteriorating, no. breaking down a lot faster than than a guy like Durant or True. Um, you no. know, you and, make a great point because he's an above the rim player, right? And those that ability, he relies on his quickness and, and his athleticism, kind of like Russ Westbrook, right? Those yes. guys are above the rim players that rely on that speed and that right. quickness. Right, but he's he's it, not a buck seventy like Westbrook is. No, he's a big boy. Yeah, he's a big boy. And that's and that's one of the reasons why I think you're getting uh, the tail end of Blake Griffin here, even though he's still in his twenties. But um, he's he's going to start breaking down. I went with off the top of my head. I didn't look at any list, and I went through uh, one, two, three, four. Nicky's counting up his top Sorry. his top fifteen yeah, players. Here. It's like twenty so, twenty plus. I got LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph, Russ, Kawhi, Chris Paul, Harden, Giannis, Anthony Davis, Joel. I take Ben Simmons. Uh, yeah, I would too. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler. I'd probably take Blake over Jimmy. Mm, I don't think Not so. Not a big fan of Jimmy. Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Draymond. Would you take Draymond? No, I'd take Blake over Draymond. See, now, but now you're starting to get into territory when you start talking about Jimmy Butler or Draymond. Now you're starting to get into that Blake territory, and you're only in the, but I don't the high think, teens. I don't think you are because I think, I think uh, well, Jimmy I, Butler plays a lot longer and at a higher level maybe. than Maybe. He's than a guard, and it's always does. hard to compare guards to big men. My, I think Draymond is vastly overrated. I think he's great for that system, but I don't think if he was on a team outside of Golden State, but he, he would be as he effective. He does a lot of different things. He, he does. shoots the ball. He shoots the three very well. He's but not he's, just a banger. He's an undersized four. I mean, when they were playing the Cavs in the finals last year and he stands next to LeBron, LeBron's a lot bigger than him. Yeah, but he, he, he also does he can guard he can guard down low, he can stay up top and shoot it. And he can move a little bit. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I'm just saying I think he's a little overrated. So we can take him out of that equation. That's yeah. fine. Clay Thompson, Demarcus Cousins, Paul George, Kyrie. I know you hate the You know how I feel Cousins. about Boogie. I don't hate him. Bad injury for him, by the way. Get well, Boogie. He's still a star. That's a terrible injury yeah, for that's, him. Yeah, that stinks. Uh, Isaiah, John Wall. Love John Wall. Porzingis. Porzingis. Love John DeMar. Wall. DeMar. Demar, I'm not a big yeah, fan of the I, of the Toronto guards, just man. Just the way the guy plays. I mean, the way he, he plays, he's, he's going to be around longer than agreed. Griffin is. So for that reason, I think he's he in a way kind of got a little too big for his britches. Like he's one of the most hated guys in the league. You think? I, absolutely. Well, everybody hates getting dunked on. No, I'm telling you, I think guys on his team. I think that's why Chris Paul left. I, I don't think that Blake Griffin is an easy guy to play with. You can you can see him getting kind of uh, he gets heated with other teams' coaches when he was going after. Um, it's an interesting who was theory. He going after? Yeah, it's an interesting theory, and you could be right. I think 
that the combination of those things are why Chris Paul left. Also, just kind of realizing that that Clippers team was just not going to get it done, and he's waning on years of effectiveness in the league. So, you know, he had to get himself to a good situation. And Houston, D'Antoni, every guard that wants to play up-tempo and score loves to play for D'Antoni. Yeah, and I, now listen, I, th- I think the Pistons got a, a good deal for him. I would have taken the deal. I think they won the deal because what are they going to get? A mid-level first, which the, that's a crapshoot at that point. They got a. They got Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley. Uh, it was it was a cap clear. It was a, a cap first clear. and a second. So that's but. what we were talking about. So now it makes another LA spot a destination for LeBron because the talk is would LeBron then go to the Clippers? No, maybe no. The, think about it. This if Paul George doesn't stay in OKC and it's LeBron and George as a package to the Clippers, that's something that you start to think about. It is, but that's a, that's a, a quick rebuild. I mean, right now the Clippers are back to. The Clippers of old, yeah, where they're basically the Browns, right? And I don't think Doc Rivers is going to survive the year either out there. Unfortunately for Doc, no, he's kind of he's kind of overstayed his welcome as well. Yep. But um, you know, we're going to see with LeBron. I'm I'm so tired of like just guessing at where he's going to go. And he, you know, first of all, I I, I think there's still a shot he stays in Cleveland. As, I do if too. They get, if they get rid of if they get rid of some of the problems, I mean, J.R. Smith is like. Yeah. What is what is he anymore? They've got they've got Channing Fry, J.R. Smith. They've got guys aging that just don't are just not what they were two years ago, and they're getting paid a decent amount from that championship team. So if they can clear a couple of those guys and bring in a mid mid level guy who can contribute, sure. The only the only reason I see him leaving is because they want to get him out of there because he's basically taken all this power from their front office. He's taken all this power from their coaching staff, and at this point, there's not much they can do. It's like you can't go back on that. Well, no, you can't. But the the other thing about this that's pretty interesting is LeBron brings, like, he's worth $500 million to that franchise. He makes so much money for that team. And Dan Gilbert obviously doesn't have a great relationship with LeBron. That's the Cavaliers' owner. So I think that he wants to ride out having LeBron as long as he can because once he's gone, what's left? There's no more Kyrie anymore. Isaiah Thomas is not Kyrie Irving. So, no. No, And I, you know, I still think they have some work to do along those lines as far as getting to play together because listen Isaiah is not Kyrie but he's he's a really good player he's a very good offensive um, player and when you see, when you look at him and LeBron on the court at the same time it's like they're just out of sync right now and that's one of the things where you know I heard recently I actually heard it this morning on on a podcast that I was listening to that they don't even practice and you know that's that's why I went right into the Teron Lou thing because you gotta say dude Teron or LeBron we have to practice today you're gonna be there like you can't just make up your own, oh, 100%. Your own thing. 100% agree. So, I don't know. We'll see We'll see how that goes. But I, there's going to be 13 other teams that he's going to be rumored to go to before this thing actually plays out. And, you know, we'll, I guess we'll just get to it when we get to it. But to go back to Griffin, the, I don't see a big swing. He's going from a nine seed to I was a nine say, seed. But do you think he's going to the East? Do you think he can take the Pistons to the playoffs? Yeah, I think he can take them to the playoffs. But, you know, not past the first round. Yeah. So, like I said, you're going from a nine seed to a nine seed. What does that really do? you got a big a big dunker that can – Sure. What's he going to get? He's going to get you 20 he look, points He looked a good game. in his debut for the Pistons. Yeah, I, I still like Blake. But as far as this being a blockbuster of blockbusters, uh, I don't see it as that. I, I see it as a he, – he's – I'd put him in the top 30 maybe. Sure. But I don't see him as even a top 20 player. Yeah. Personally, yeah. All right. Well, but. let's uh, let's transition to football because before we yeah. get to the Super Bowl, we got some football stuff to cover. I'm actually going to step out of here for two seconds because I want to 
make that quick text and then but let's start with the uh the trade here so go ahead and, i have it go ahead and start on the uh yeah but i gotta i'm gonna run out real quick go ahead and start on the alex smith yeah. trade i'll be right back all right yeah so take a look at the alex smith trade um so for anybody that lives under a rock alex smith was traded to the the redskins the aforementioned redskins um which obviously opens the door for pat mahomes uh there's a couple of things that i think about pat mahomes and there's a couple of things i think about alex smith I think Alex Smith was really kind of a, he was a product of Andy Reid's system. And we saw early in the year that um, that system works. Andy Reid's offensive system works. And uh, we saw it um, in his tenure with the Eagles. He's very good at hiding some of his quarterback deficiencies. And what I mean by that is getting into the screen game a lot, doing a lot of short passes. Uh, Andy Reid teams always, always, always have excellent play from the tight ends. Going back to um, Chad Lewis, just re I remember watching him growing up. Chad Lewis was a, a, a huge part of that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Eagles offense. Um, and going back to McNabb, where he did a whole lot with some receivers that nobody knows, the Todd Pinkstons, the Freddie Mitchells, the James Thrashes, um, even guys like Jason Avant, um, you know, so I think that, that Alex Smith was a little bit a product of that. Uh, the same goes back to his time with Harbaugh in that Harbaugh knew how to use him as a quarterback. Forward ahead now with the Redskins, he's not going to have that luxury, and I think we're going to find out a little bit more about Alex Smith and some of his deficiencies because I don't know, I don't know if um, Jay Gruden is necessarily going to be that guru to hide some of the deficiencies that Reed uh, that Reed was able to and that Harbaugh was able to. No, I, I totally agree. And actually, you make a great point here about Gruden, and I think that he's going to be really frustrated with Alex Smith, and I'll tell you why. So you look at a guy like Kirk Cousins, and the one thing that Kirk Cousins did very well or he liked to do was he liked to press the ball down the field. And Jay Gruden, a lot of his offense is – throwing guys that are not open yet. We talk about that all the time, right? In college yes. football, a lot of college quarterbacks are going to make reads and throws to guys who are open. They're already open. But in the NFL, you have to make a lot of anticipation throws to where guys are not yet open yet. So the problem is with Alex Smith, he is, and I saw a breakdown about this, one of the quarterbacks who throws the least amount of guys who aren't open yet, those anticipation throws. And in Jay Gruden's offense, you need to do that. Yeah, but do they, do they have the athletes to do that? I, I don't know. I mean, they have some offensive weapons, right? But yeah, I just if, think if that— If Jordan Reed can stay on the field— um, Sure, but that's a big if with him, right? You and know, who who are going to be the receivers? Terrell Pryor year? was a huge bust. Oh, man. Huge bust. Which is weird because if you look at uh, if where you're going to become a bust, he, he really thrived in Cleveland. I, I agree. I did not see that coming. I took him in fantasy football. I thought he was going to be a great player. So to go to a better team with a way better quarterback— Yep. I agree. At least a professional quarterback. I, I'm with you. I, I didn't. It was I very didn't see strange. That. For me. Yeah. So, but overall, I think a lot of people got burned on the yeah, fantasy. Yeah, they did. Fantasy when you there. look at when you look at the Redskins and the way they run their offense, the reason Kirk Cousins thrived there again is Jay Gruden likes to stretch that field. And the thing about Alex Smith is he's kind of a if you're not fully open, he's not always going to make that throw. And he obviously we know his deficiencies with stretching the ball downfield. I think Jay Gruden's going to quickly become frustrated with Alex Smith. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I was getting into before. Now, the one thing that we did mention was uh, I got into a lot of the tight end play. So that's uh, from the Eagles to the, um, to the Chiefs. 
Andy Reid always is able to get the tight ends involved. And I think if Jordan Reed stays healthy, that's going to be a big step in the right direction for Smith. But um, that's that's a huge if. For the last couple of years, Reed's been missing, um, you know, strings of games at a time. And I, I don't know. I, I'm not a big believer in the Redskins' uh, management and system anyway. I, I think they're one of those teams that they're just meddling right in the middle. Uh, they're never going to take that step forward until they're under new ownership. Um, that's that's just my personal opinion on it. But uh, to get into the chief side of things. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes. What do you I think? I mean, I, I do like Mahomes. And it was a huge jump for them in the draft to, to jump up and get him. And, you know, I watched the draft, and they were saying a lot of things about his uh, – his tendency to just chuck it up uh, to to make the risky play. Sometimes you need that, and I think Andy Reid likes that a lot. Dude, I'll tell you. So <clears throat> I, I love Patrick Mahomes' talent. He's got everything you want in a NFL quarterback as well as mobility. Uh, he's got a huge arm. And we talk about Andy Reid uh, in his – deficiencies overall right he's got some of those but what he's always been good with is developing quarterbacks uh, and putting together a system where quarterbacks can thrive and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Patrick Mahomes can do with that team that team's loaded with weapons and defensively they're a great a great 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 team yeah I mean Mahomes has legitimate arm talent and you saw that in just his first uh what was it he played a couple a couple snaps or a game or two um he has legitimate arm talent Andy loves kind of the Brett Favre in him, and yeah, he does. He, you know, and and that's, that's 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 where Andy came from. Remember, that's the Holmgren yeah, Favre. He, that's where that's he, where Andy he groomed Brett Favre. That's where and, Andy made his mark with Favre and under that system. So he loves that big arm to have the ability to stretch the field and take those chances. I'm super pumped. That can like I said, that Kansas City team has got a ton of talent. Uh, I thought when we did our breakdown a couple weeks ago is an unpopular thing that I said that I think they're the second best team in the AFC, but I, I truly believe that. You know, when they get back, Eric Berry, who I think is the best safety in the league, that defense gets much better. And I think with Mahomes in there developing, they're dangerous in the AFC. Yeah, I agree with you. It also gives them a little excitement factor that um, Alex Smith didn't didn't have. True. I mean, it's going to be more fun going into the season to see what um, Mahomes is. But to also grow with some of the younger guys on the team. They're a very young team you know, offensively. Kareem Hunt. Um, why can't I remember the receiver's name right now? He's a stud receiver. Um, you know, obviously Kelsey. Yep. Um, Wilson's the other receiver that I'm thinking of. Who's 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 their big receiver? Um, I want to say Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why I drew a blank on that. But to, for for Mahomes to come up with those guys, they're going to be dangerous on offense for for yeah. a couple years. And I think Andy sees that, and that's why even though you know Alex Smith was effective, uh, they kind of had to had to make the move there. So the last thing there with that whole move is now where does Kirk Cousins end up landing? I think I see him now. When you look across the board, the only team that doesn't have well, I'm going to say two teams, actually, because I think the only two teams that don't really have a quarterback at this point, or at least one that's supposed to be coming up through the system, are uh, Arizona is the first one. That's that's one of the first places I see him landing, because they do have a couple things in place in Arizona where if you plug in a good quarterback, you have the makings of a really strong offense. When you look at David Johnson coming back next year, you look at some of the receivers they have um, in um, Nelson – uh, Brown, they're 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 high they're highly explosive guys. Kirk Cousin 
Kirk Cousins, he he can he can make something happen with sure. the, that type of athlete. Um, and especially when you have somebody in the backfield like David Johnson to kind of um, balance the run in the pass game. Sure. That's a strong that's a strong choice. That's a strong landing spot. And they're a team that doesn't have in the waiting that young quarterback they've been grooming or that they drafted, right? And so he's right. like a plug and play guy in Arizona, which would be a great fit. That's definitely the first one. Another that I interesting of. spot, and Von Miller came out this week when he was on Radio Row and talked about this was Denver. That was my second that was my second spot because they don't have anybody well, Paxton Lynch was the guy. Yeah, but we saw did that a ship bit set of, sail. I think so. We, <laughs> he's been in he's been in the works for a couple of years now, right? Yeah, two years. And they had him in there. They had him in there for a few snaps last year, and he, I don't think he's showing them what they want to see. Um, Cousins would Cousins would work in there pretty well. I think Demarius Thomas and uh, Sanders still have a couple of years left in the tank. Um, now that that's one of the that's one of the places they can work on their run game, but um, you know, to, to pair with that defense, that's, that's the makings of a playoff team, you know, at least on the way to a playoff team. Sure. But. And their, their window's closing because some of their guys are aging, right? Like Demarius Thomas, Von Miller, that defense probably only has two years left of being elite as well as those skill position guys. So you bring Kirk in for two years and now's your time. And at the same time, if you bring him in and you decide to cut ties with Paxton Lynch, you can also, while you have Kirk, start grooming the guy underneath so you can compete now and start grooming underneath of that. Agreed. The big question with Kirk Cousins, though, even with even teams you're going to go to, is is he a mil- hundred million dollar guy? Because that's what he's going to command in the open market here. Yeah, and that's and that's what arms are going for. That, that's you know, that's right. That's what they're going for. It's the going rate. So I don't think there's anything you do about that. And I mean, anymore, guys like Kirk Cousins, they're going they're going for a hundred million. Yeah, I mean, he's a top Which, fifteen quarterback. There's there was a funny thing I heard him, that's but. a cool comparison to play. So like, if you looked around the league right now, right, and you said, okay, so if I gave you a couple names, so would you take would you take Kirk Cousins or would you take Joe Flacco? I'd take Cousins. I, I agree. I totally agree. Flacco's got a couple injuries under his belt. He had a he, horrendous year. I mean, horrible year this year. Yeah, and w- it, which is weird. Now, now the thing about the Ravens is they don't have a ton of outside outside receivers that are any yeah. are worth anything. Flacco's got one of the strongest arms in the league. Sure, but he doesn't see, he doesn't really do anything with it. No. To be honest, I think that Cousins is more just uh, he's more an exciting player. He he's a more of a playmaker than Flacco is. Flacco has you know, over the years become more of that game manager with a really strong arm. For whatever reason, they don't, they're don't they not able to use it, utilize it. Maybe if they get a couple of receivers in there, it'll change. But they don't have they don't have the stud tight end. They don't have any receivers outside. The kid Alex Collins looks good in the backfield. Um, yeah. But he kind of came out of nowhere. I'm excited yeah. to see him. Sure. Um, because he looked good at the end of last year. Young kid. He's 23 years old, I yep. think. So yep. that'll be interesting to see. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely take Cousins over Flacco just for his playmaking ability. I totally agree. Um, so yeah. Yep. So, all right, we're gonna we're gonna change gears here because this is the big thing. Super Bowl Fifty Two, right? Yeah, we man. are we're ready to go. And joining us now on the line to talk Super Bowl Fifty Two <laughs> is the great J Rod himself. Jared Baresk. Jared, Jared, can you hear us, buddy? I'm here, and I'm already disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you disappointed? I knew it was coming, but... You know. So Jared's a little upset with uh, the intro music that the Prophet gave him. So to give you guys just a little background on it, uh, 
Jared's a Cowboys fan, and him and the Prophet got into it a little bit this week about we're, the fandom. We're, going there already. we're not gonna we're not gonna go we're, there on the air. I told not? I told Nick I wanted to to keep it low key, and we wanted to do some some more breakdown yeah, stuff. Why don't we, Why don't we save that for after the Super Bowl? I'll focus today on making everybody some money. Totally agree. Totally agree. And so. Jared's a good straight man as always because I know he's got prop bets and prop picks ready to go. But before we get there, let's talk about the game overall, right? And it's good to have Jared on with us yep. here because you got two Eagles fans here sitting in studio, and Jared's a Cowboys fan, so he's going to bring outside perspective, a little bit of outside perspective to the game as we talk about this. So where we wanted to start actually is just the history for the Patriots here that's on the line in this game. When's the last time you can remember? I don't remember ever in the NFL comparatively a run that the Patriots with Belichick and Tom have been on? I mean, it, it really is unheard of just because they've been doing it now for so long, almost, what, 15 years or something like that. And 17. every year they come back and they're losing players. They're changing up, switching guys in and out. The constant is obviously Belichick and Brady, but it's pretty incredible how consistently good they are no I totally agree and actually you bring up a great point about this team in this era of the free agency era you look at all the different pieces the rotating pieces that they've been able to bring in over the last as Prof said 17 years and it really is incredible to see this level of excellency sustained for that long yeah and I think it's first of all it speaks to the importance of stability in an organization right from the owner to the head coach who happens to be the general manager, but just everybody kind of on the same page with the same direction and just a way to do things. You know, you see the opposite with teams like the Cleveland Browns and the Jets. They're just all over the place. There's crazy coaches and weird decisions and the general managers and bringing in quarterbacks. It, the chaos, it's sometimes it's hard to believe. Oh, totally agree. That. Totally agree. The Patriots and, and it's just, that's the way to do it. And the Patriot the way. way that you see what Belichick does, which a lot of teams make the mistake on, is they get rid of guys that are at their prime before they start the decline. They, they do. And, you know, if I can jump in here just real quick, uh, I've, I've heard for a long time the term used of culture. And until you get kind of behind the scenes, and there's been a couple, um, not documentaries, but just films that NFL Films has done, I watched the, the two Bills. Did you guys happen to see that? on? Uh, I didn't see that yet, but I want to. So they take you behind the scenes, and you really see what that culture is all about. Um, part of it is that everybody knows their role. So, you know, instead of if you, if you got an order from a coach that you didn't like in some other places, it's, it's like back talk. It's, you know, not, doing, not going about it in a weird way where you, you're not really into it. Everybody within their system knows their role. If they if they're given an order, they do it. And do your job, right? Exactly. And, and Belichick's really set the tone with that. And, and that's it was really evident in that thirty for thirty. That's why I mentioned. That. Yeah. And if if the the great point there is what they've done over the years is they go and find a lot of castoffs right from other teams that maybe had some questionable backgrounds that maybe got into some trouble and they come into New England and they're model citizens. Look at the guy we have here now in Philly, the Garrett Blunt. He's sort of always been kind of a troubled guy, but you never heard of him making trouble when he was with the Patriots, right? Well, and the interesting thing too is. If you were to take a guy like LeGarrette Blunt and put him on, again, I'm going back to some of these chaotic franchises like Cleveland, it would have been a disaster. Correct. I mean, they weren't a good team anyway, so it helps to be part of an organization that, that wins and plays well. But 
when you do something, when you take guys like that and you put them in the wrong spots, it tends to go worse. It Correct. It goes the opposite way. Yep, I totally agree. Yep, nope, totally agree. So let's get into the game. And the, the one thing that we wanted to start with on the game itself is I think where everybody's going to be focusing because it's the two strong points of both teams is the Eagles' defense versus the Patriots' offense. So the real question is, is can the Eagles' front four dominate the line of scrimmage and the game the way that they have so far throughout the playoffs? Prof, we'll start with you, and then we'll see what Jared thinks. I think yes, they their their defensive line or their defensive line is far stronger than the Patriots' offensive line, and I don't think I'm revealing any uh, any great mystery here. I think that's pretty obvious. They have to get there, and it's got to be up the middle pressure. You know, we know they can get there from the edge, but we also know that that Brady can see that coming. He he's going to call his slants to Amendola and Cooks, and you know he's going to have the ball out within one and a half seconds. Um, less than that, but if they can pressure the middle with Fletcher Cox, if he can get, if he can penetrate and get pressure there, I think um, that's that's really the key. Is that up the middle pressure? Again, no great revelation, but Jared, what do you what are your thoughts on that? Well, I totally agree. I mean, it, you heard it a lot before the Jacksonville game two weeks ago that you the way to beat the Patriots is pressure him up the middle. You don't want to blitz because that's when you really expose yourself to a guy like Tom Brady to take advantage of whoever the open man is. But Absolutely. Um, the one thing that they do really, really well, even though they don't have a great offensive line, certainly not on paper, they don't have the, the guys, um, you know, the Jason Peters of the world, uh, Tyrone Smith, those type of guys, they play really well together. So when they get, they figure out the flow of the, how the defense is going to attack them, they're able to figure it out, bring in extra running backs, help block, things like that. And they did that really well against Jacksonville, which was interesting because Jacksonville has a similar type of a defense where they're going to get pressure with their front four and they're not going to blitz. Totally and agree. It worked. Totally agree. In the first agree. half, it worked really well for them. And I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if they went away from that or if the Patriots scheme just adjusted to that or maybe it was a combination. But I think you're going to see the exact same thing in this game. I don't think Jim Schwartz is going to blitz a lot. He doesn't normally blitz a lot he doesn't really need to i mean you have two studs right and i don't think we can that's going to be huge especially early no totally agree so i think you test for how the game's going to go you bring up two good points that we always talk about with the patriots and the first of course is that the way to beat them right with the giants showed us in their model is beating them with front four pressure because to your point you cannot blitz a guy like tom brady because he's going to exploit that weakness in your defense Every single time you do it, and he's going to eat you up. But if you can get he's to him, too smart. he's too smart. He's too good at the line of scrimmage. He recognizes what you're doing before you do it. And so he sees that coming, and he's able to get rid of that ball quick enough to let his playmakers make plays. What you see with where they really struggle, and it happened, to your point, in the first half of the Jacksonville game, is when that front four can cause chaos and get to him while you still have seven men in coverage. Because let's be honest— the Patriots aren't going to wow you with their skill guys outside outside of Gronkowski, right? Their guys yeah. outside are unable to be able to get open in that split-second window. If you can get to Tom in that three, four, five-second window with your front four, you're really going to cause them a lot of issues. The problem is with that team, as it always is with the Patriots, as we saw in last year's Super Bowl, as we saw in the Jaguars game, as we see time and time again, is their ability to adjust. And when they adjust to what you're doing, can you then adjust back yeah. against what they're doing to stop you? I think what we'll probably see a lot of, right, what Belichick always does is he says, we're not going to let your best player and what you do best beat us. He's not going to let Fletcher Cox beat them, right? I mean, that's the guy you got to stop, right? That's it. It, it is, and that's why I said getting that pressure was so important with Jernigan and, and Fletcher Cox. 
the, the thing that really scares me, and you talked a little bit about, about blitzing, uh, when, we do, when they do go on the blitz, and I think we saw this a little bit in the Jags game, is they, they swing it out to, to white, like in the backfield. Those are the plays that they eat up 20 yards at a time and yep. gets the momentum going. Yep. And talk about throwing somebody open that we just talked about with um, more, more Kirk Cousins. With Alex Smith. And, yeah. So talk about throwing people open. He can pinpoint it to a guy like Amendola, and they've been together for long enough yep. and been on the same page where Amendola turns his head and he knows the ball is going to be right in his ear hole, and he catches the ball for 15, 20 yards at a time. And that's where I think Jacksonville kind of let off the gas a little bit in that second half where they were eating up chunks of yards, and it was more like, okay, we, got the, we have the lead. We, can, we, right. can, it we was, have enough room to play with. It was with. underneath like James White and those type of plays killed the Jaguars in the second half. Yeah. Well, and again, that comes to Belichick's adjustments, right? Because he sees where there's openings from where the defense has been playing them in the first half. And he goes, all right, if you're going to give us five yards underneath, we'll turn them into 15 all day. Right. And I think that when you see, when you, when you talk about Gronk, Gronk's going to get his yards. It's, he's a matchup nightmare for anybody. Malcolm Jenkins is going to be on him. I think he's the only person that, you know, I don't see anybody else on our defense that you want on you, Gronk. You can't put a linebacker on him. No, no. They're, they're too slow, right? Gronk will just he's eat him guy. up. Yeah, so Jenkins is the guy. You just have to you just have to rely on Jenkins to do the best that he can because even if you take Gronk away, let's say you put a couple guys on him, they're going to eat you up somewhere else. Um so I think to solely focus on Gronk would be a huge huge mistake. Totally agree. I think you have to just try and limit what he gets downfield, but he's going to get his, right? I mean, Absolutely. he's yeah. a polar bear. Yeah. They trained a polar bear to play tight end. Like, you can't cover the guy. He's ridiculous. So, Jared, actually, this is something that I heard yesterday, and I feel like this is right up your alley in terms of scheming. I wanted to run this by you. One thing I heard that I think the Patriots are going to try and do to the Eagles to get them in a lot of trouble is their, their front four outside of Fletcher Cox their front four a lot relies on rotation, right? We have seven to eight guys that we constantly rotate in, and I can see the Patriots, especially late in the game, going to that up-tempo offense where they're so successful and not allowing the Eagles to rotate. So then when they start to get the defense on their heels, that front four, Brandon Graham's not rotating out, right? These guys, Vinnie Curry, they're not rotating out, and so they're back on their heels. They're not getting to Tom as much, and he starts to eat you up. So I have actually a bunch of notes on that for one of my prop bets, but we may as well get into it now. So the one thing I think that the Patriots consistently do and Bill Belichick consistently does they starting slow is the wrong way to call it. But I think what they do is they, they figure out how, how the game is going to go based on the first quarter and even in the first half. And they're not concerned about trying to win the game in the first half. They're just concerned about not losing the game. Right. So what they do is they figure out, okay, this is how it's going to go. We're going to, we're going to kind of pace ourselves here because what we want to do is be able to use our stamina to close out the fourth quarter, which they've done consistently for the last five or six years. And the question is, will the Eagles be able to, one, see that, re- recognize that, and two, will they be able to keep up when they do go up-tempo in the end of the third quarter and the whole fourth quarter? Totally agree. That's a, you're, I agree 100% with that analysis, and that's sort of my concern, right? And actually, you make a great point, and we're, we're, I think we're going to be on the same page when we get into the prop bet section when it comes to scoring in the first quarter, right? <laughs> Just to give a little preview. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've been hearing a lot about first quarter <laughs> the last two weeks. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. All right, so let, let's flip now. And I think this is um, a side of the ball that hasn't gotten as much coverage as what we just did um, in the matchup scheme here, but it's also just as important, right? Let's talk about the Patriots defense against the Eagles offense, right? When you look at the Patriots defense, uh, I think they played much better the second half of the season. 
but there's nobody on that defense that really scares you or, you know, is a superstar, but they play a great scheme. And the real question is, is will Belichick design a scheme that's going to be able to take away what Foles has done? Because I think that Doug Peterson has done such a great job in adjusting slightly what their offense does to suit Nick Foles. And that offense looked unstoppable against the Vikings. So the question is, what do the Patriots do to take away what Foles likes to do and what Dougie P's laid out for him? So I think when you, when you look at New England's defense, even just the whole regular season, it's really an anomaly because you're right. They don't have stars, certainly up front. Their line is just straight up not good. Yep. And they had a lot of injuries, and they lost guys. Hightower is the biggest name that they lost. But they – are such a bend but don't break defense, and they did it all year, all year, all season, regular season, and into the playoffs. It just works for them, and it doesn't make sense why it works. I don't know if it's discipline or if it's scheme or if it's just a combination of all those things. But they're, I feel like they're going to lull you kind of into this false sense of being comfortable, and then let you make a mistake or force you to make a mistake. And that's the thing that Nick Foles has to avoid. And I don't know how you do it because. It's one of those things you don't – I don't think you see it coming. It just happens, and then it spins out of control. He obviously didn't do that against Minnesota. They just kept their foot in the gas, and they were slinging it all day long. I don't think that's going to work against the Patriots, but I think it's the right game plan. Well, yeah, and you mentioned the bend and not break. And the they're in the red zone, their defense is, is tops. I mean – they're going to give up their yards, so I think in the middle of they the gave field, up a ton of them this season. Yeah, and I think I think in the middle of the field, they're okay with giving up yards in the middle of the field. I think that you're, you know, they're going to give up your your five eight yard slant, um, you know, and and avoid the big play downfield because once they get you into that red zone, that's where they really tighten up, and they certainly have their corners and the secondary that are capable of of playing well. I think Gilmore is is you know, you saw that play he made against Jacksonville. He's he's an athletic guy. McCourty's an athletic guy. They definitely have the speed and the athleticism to, to match up with, um, you know, our receivers. But I think it's going to be the quick hits that we need to get uh, to get moving. And Ajayi is going to play a huge, huge part of how they counter us on that side. If Ajayi is going well... It might be it might be a long day for the so, Patriots yeah, defense. Let's talk about that side of the ball. So then the what the Eagles have done such a great job of on offense all year has been the ability to run the ball and they bring so many different angles to you, right? Because Ajayi's kind of the guy who does it all. Blunt is that heavy hitter up the middle. They like to get Clement and these guys on the outside. So the question is, can New England stop the Eagles run game? Because I feel like if they don't that's where it really opens up for Nick in the RPOs and the play-action pass game. So, the real again, the question is, do the Patriots have enough up front to stop that Eagles' potent running attack? So I think you can look at the Jacksonville game from last week, and in, that, in the first half, Fournette was absolutely gashing them, right? He was every run was 7 yards, yep. 6 yards, 10 yards. That stopped in the second half. So that goes back to kind of the adjust, adjustments and the schemes that I think the Patriots – are capable of doing, if they could do it to Fournette, they could do it to the Eagles. I think the key for the Eagles in the running game, that's not even running game, are going to be the swing passes, the wheel routes to Clement, to Jai, and I have a, a prop bet later for you guys on the Jai. I love just it. That. I love it. But I think that that's really the biggest advantage because the Patriots are slow. They're slow in that covering those uh, those plays and covering those running backs. That's... They've struggled 
with um, what's his name, Jacksonville's third string running back. I yep. don't remember his name right now, but he he killed them. No, that's a great point because where New England really struggles, I think, is speed at the second level, speed at the linebacker Grant, position. Grant right? was his name, I believe. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, and I think that that's where the Eagles really need to exploit it is the Patriots' lack of speed at the second level because what I think about New England's defense, too, I think their secondary is a little underrated. I think they've got solid guys in secondary. You know, Patrick Chung is an interesting guy because we had him here in Philly, obviously because of the Chip Kelly connection. He's an Oregon <laughs> guy, and we, you know, he came in here and he was a disaster, but he played well for New England before, and again, this year he's playing well for New England because what he does within that scheme for them is so important, and overall, I feel like, like Malcolm Butler, their secondary is underrated, I feel like. Yeah, it's very good. I mean, I don't think I think they just don't they don't have the statistics, the the interceptions, right. things like that. But they're very stout, good safeties, good corners. That's kind of the perfect combination, especially for New England. So they came out they came out soft against um, Jacksonville's running attack in the first half. Um, you know, the thing that's interesting about that is if you're game planning for Jacksonville, that's really all you have to game plan for is the run game, and to come out soft in the first half is interesting. I think that the uh, the Eagles receivers definitely uh, are more of a a matchup problem for them because they have to they have to really look out for both the run and the pass game, and that's I think that's the biggest difference. I mean, honestly, I would probably take Foles over Bortles at this point. I don't know if you guys feel the same way about that, but um, are we should we have a rip on Blake Bortles segment real quick? Which no, <laughs> we did that last week a little bit, but. Um, let the man let the man enjoy yeah yeah honestly like I feel like the the balance of the Eagles offense you know you can you can take advantage of that defense for Fournette to to get over 100 yards against them when that's all they really had to game plan for I think Ajayi can do the same thing because you still have the you still have the the threat of the pass game and if Foles can do half of what he did last week I see them putting up at least 21, 28 points. All right, so let so Nikki's straight manning us into the picks. So before we get there, after the analysis, anything else you want to add for the game itself, Jared, things to watch for? No, I was just going to break it down. I didn't know if we were closing this out, but let's be perfectly honest. The, the game is going to come down to which Nick Foles are you going to get. Yeah. Is he going to be the Minnesota Nick Foles, or is he going to turn back into a pumpkin? Yep. And that's really what's going it, to – it could be – a fantastic performance, and they're going to win, or he could just shit himself, and it'll be over <laughs> fast. I mean, who knows? Honestly, as an Eagles fan, I, for you guys, I wouldn't even know what to expect. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, uh, it's, it's part of the excitement. It's part of the right? excitement of this game <laughs> yeah, overall, right? Part of the excitement. All right, so let, let's go ahead and get into the picks before we go into our prop bets. So um, let's start. I know we know Prof loves to do this with the line. And I know Jared likes to watch the line as well. We're all uh, sharpening our pencils versus where the line goes, right? So the Super Bowl itself opened up around five and a half, and the early money came in quick on New England, and it pushed up to about six and a half, seven. Since that point, it has been a steady flow. All of the huge bets are coming in on the Eagles, and it is now down at four and a half. So let's start with our special guest, J-Rod. What are you looking at for your pick versus with, with the spread, your betting, et cetera, on the game itself? Where are you going? So it's interesting because I've been kind of following this with not only the line movement, but just the amount of bets and the amount of money that's going on. The Eagles in Vegas, which you're absolutely correct, all the big bets and a lot of the big money is going right on the Eagles. But the interesting part is a lot of those bets are going on the money line, not on the points. So my thought – The big one that you know, came just in. Even, 
yeah, even if you're just looking at this right now, forget the line movement. I have to take the points at four and a half, but it is very interesting that a lot of people are going straight with an Eagles money line, straight victory. And I don't know if that's because that's smart money necessarily, or if it's just a combination of kind of passionate Eagles fans and we're going to ride the momentum and we're just going to win the game. We don't need the points. Yeah. So I'm with you. And on the points side of this, right. If you look at the Patriots Super Bowl wins, I don't believe they've won any Super Bowl by more than five points. Am I correct there? Do you guys? I think the last biggest year they margin did. of victory, and that was last year. Right. Yeah, last year was on the the, the touchdown yeah. first drive. Yeah. So I think that the taking the points here is really the play. I will tell you, right, coming from my side, that I will take also a money line bet for the Eagles because I I want to bet with my heart as well. Yeah, you're betting with your heart. I want to yeah. bet with my heart as well because what I don't want to have happen as an Eagles fan is be winding up Sunday night a little tuned up and the Eagles end up losing by three and I win just my point spread bet and I you know hate life so I'm also going to ride with the money line bet for the Eagles for both of them but speaking in pure value I think that the value is at the points on this game prof weigh in for us points baby take the points you have to huge huge swing from the open and this is part of the this is part of the prof system. We all we know it. We love Jared it. Loves Jared loves the it. prof system. Jared is probably <laughs> one of my biggest doubters and haters. But this is uh, this is one where you look at the swing, and we talked about this a little bit for the college national championship, where you're not going to see much movement throughout the week, but the movement you do see is going to tell you a lot more. So to open up at six, was it? Did five it and a half, open at five and a half, and then we'll push I, I up. I saw it at six. Some yep. on, quickly moved I, to I six. I hate to correct you, but before the Eagles game was even over, it was actually six and a half, and then it got bet down to almost f- immediately. So okay. that's even better. Either yep. way. That's yep. even better. That's so, so that's even more of a prop special down to four and a half. I take the points. Uh, I love the Eagles to win their first Super Bowl. I really do like them to win outright. So I wanted to bring up a point because... It's weird because I've never felt, and I feel like the city has never felt this confident. Just listening to radio throughout the week, it's very, very weird. It's a weird feeling. I mean, don't feel like this here. Honestly, like just sitting here talking about it, I'm getting so excited for the game tomorrow. Like I'm, I'm sort of... I'm sort it's of so, been a long week. I'm getting right? excited. So there's actually a really good point that I wanted to, uh, to allude to here because we were talking about like the bets and, and things coming in. And Jared, you make a great point about a lot of the large bets coming in on the money line because that doesn't seem like a sharp edge to take if you're a big Vegas odd maker, right, or a big bet placer in Vegas. That's sort of – let me talk about that a little bit. Like why is all the money coming in on the money line? That's that's odd to me. So when you, when you look at things, especially in Vegas, like the Super Bowl, you have – there is going to be smart money. There's going to be sharp bettors. But those are so far outweighed just in volume and dollars by – either casual bettors or somewhere in between. So going back to Nick's system, the line movement obviously tells you something, but that doesn't necessarily mean what it would for a regular season game, I think, just because they have to account for so much more money and so many more bets. So just because it's moving that direction doesn't necessarily mean that it's smart money and it's the money that you want to follow. So there's a little bit of that. But the truth is, I mean, at four and a half, if you can get four and a half, I've seen it. I've heard tale that it's down to four in some places in Vegas, but if you can keep that four and a half, you're still, you still have those key numbers of three and four yep. to work with. So no. I know you guys don't like the idea of a Patriots three point win, <laughs> but from a betting standpoint, 
at least you're still protected there. And that's where I was going to go next. So we know from talking to Jared as a Cowboys fan, he would love a three-point Patriots win to get his. Is, no that, is, that what you're, is that what you're rooting for? Is that what you would root for? That is what I have to root for. But I will be taking the Eagles in the four and a half because of what I just said. All right, so we're across the board taking the Eagles and the points. It's a weird feeling, man. It's really weird feeling throughout the, the Delaware Valley because every every person that calls in to these shows, I mean, we're, well, here's the thing. A, a couple, we're a couple years ago. I say a couple years ago. Ten years ago when we were in the Super Bowl, it was I had the feeling like we were going to get smoked by the Patriots. I just had that feeling. We didn't get smoked by the Patriots, but it, it turned out the way we thought it would. And this is a completely different feel to this team. I don't know if well, it's I, if it's their confidence it's almost- or – you're playing with house money in a way because Foles is your starting quarterback. I mean, you know, looking at this from not even a Cowboys fan perspective, but just from an objective perspective, you, whether you win or lose, you guys got Carson Wentz for the next 10 years, 12 years. And I know it sounds ridiculous to expect to go back to the Super Bowl. Dan Marino is a perfect example. But you watch a guy like Carson Wentz, and if you guys are able to keep this team together, you'll, the Eagles will be back. So let me ask you a question about that. It's great. It's great segue. I actually wanted to run this by you. So with, even against the Patriots and their experience and everything that goes with the Patriots coming to the Super Bowl, if Carson Wentz is healthy for this game, do you think the Eagles are favored? No, I think I think the Pats are maybe a one, one and a half point favorite. Real short line. Yeah, it's definitely below three, but I don't think it flips. There. You still give that Patriots edge because it's it's the Patriots, it's Tom, it's I think Bill. So. And quite frankly, could Wentz have done much better than what Folds has done? If you just look at both games, certainly know, the not game in, in the Minnesota game. Uh, yeah, to Nick's so point, to certainly not in the Vikings game, right? I mean, it was almost a perfect yeah. game. You couldn't have looked better than Folds did in the Vikings game. So, in a way, maybe it's even closer to two, two and a half. So, before we talk about our prop bets, I wanted to bring something up real quick. Uh, I heard Colin Cowherd, um, and he's you know big radio personality. He's a guy who I respect, but I, I think he slurps New England a little bit, and. Uh, he a little did, bit. <laughs> he had took he loves New England to blow out the Eagles. He took them. He said they're going to win by double digits. But he also had he made a statement that um, I think even Cowboys fans will appreciate as asinine. So he says that because the Eagles have a slogan "Fly Eagles Fly" in quotations, he starts to go on this rant about no team with a slogan has ever beat the Patriots. Like the Falcons have a slogan, uh, the the Jaguars, the Saxonville, they have a slogan. No, they never beat the Patriots. But you know the Giants, they just go about their business and they beat the, the Patriots. How, what kind of analysis is that, Jared? That's that, horrible. That doesn't, even, I, that doesn't even make sense. Makes I no mean, sense, right? I would assume every team, at least every fan team fan base, has slogans, multiple slogans. Uh, honestly, with guys like Cowherd, I think he's just trying to fill airtime. So you've got to come up with some nonsense to fill those, you know, yeah. m- many, many minutes. So the gas time. bags <laughs> like us can talk about how he's an idiot, right? And that's probably part of it, too. <laughs> and talk about how hot Christine Leahy is. <laughs> She's a fan favorite. Oh my god! All right, so let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. Prop bets. This is my favorite part of betting the Super Bowl. Right? You get to run down. You can bet on anything you want. Literally, you have. Actually, Coach T was talking about it last night. So back in the day, before we had the beautiful interwebs, where you can just go and pull up all the prop bets right on your phone or on your computer, you used to get a giant book, right, and all these pages that you got to go through and look at of every single prop bet on the board. 
and you get to go through and you get to pick out where's your best value what kind of odds can i get on mvp first score right all those things so let's start with our guest of honor here jared give us give us what you're looking at for your prop bets here well here's the thing i have two sheets in front of me and we two can sheets either bounce of prop back bets? and forth what's that two sheets of prop bets yeah two full pages <laughs> I love it. It's not. It's not that many. It's about a dozen. But we can go through them all if you want, or we can bounce back and forth. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So, do. like I was saying, so let's do. You know, give us give us your two where you find see the best value for what the odds are. All right. So let me bounce around here because I think this is going to sound weird when you talk about it in terms of value, but if you really look at it in terms of the number and the value, the best bet, and I bet this every year. I've probably been betting it for ten years now. Will there be a safety in the game? So lately, over the last couple of years, there have been a lot of safeties. True. Famously, the uh, Broncos game, Broncos yep. Super Bowl, first play. started off first score of the game safety. So that, that one hurt immediately. But the truth is, depending on where you find this, and I'm going to start, when, when I go through my props, I'm gonna, I use four different websites. So I use BetUS, BetCapri, Bovada, and LV Action. So it's always important, especially with props, to shop around. One, depending on what you're betting on, you may get different numbers at different places, but you also will definitely get different money. That different is places. that is so a tremendous is my perfect example point. Of this. So I found it at the lowest, no safety, minus nine hundred. So that's laying big wood for sure. But on the upside, on the other side of it, the highest odds are double that at Bet US at minus eighteen hundred. So you've got a huge swing there from one, depending on where you're betting it, to the other. Obviously, you're going to take the lowest one you can find. Minus 900 is a very solid number. If you look at the Super Bowls only, there's been a, a lot of safeties. So there's been 51 games, right? There's been nine total safeties in those games. So when you're looking at it from a percentage standpoint, that's 13, it's almost 14% of the games. Yep. That's not particularly good for a minus 900 bet, but that's the Super Bowl, and it's only 51 games. If you look at the 2017 season as a whole, and I'll look at it for – Every game, and then I'll look at first specific to the Pets and the Eagles. The Patriots in all of the regular season games and the playoffs had two safeties this year. The Eagles had zero. So if you're looking at just a bigger sample size, those odds tend to move downward, and that should be a much higher than minus 900 bet. Now, if you look at the regular season, you've got a total of 256 games played just across the board for all 32 teams. Yep. There was 15 safeties in all of those games. So again, to your in point, counting, you should see a much higher line than minus nine hundred. But I'll take the, the safety. fifteen safeties in two hundred fifty-six games. That equates to less than six percent chance that a safety will occur in a game, which puts the true odds somewhere in the minus seventeen hundred range. Minus eighteen hundred, like you saw. Yeah, no, I I love it. I love the breakdown, and I, I actually agree with that. And if you can get it at minus nine hundred, which I did, then you're creating some value for yourself. Now, if the safety happens, I'm screwed either way. But I'll take those odds. Okay, I like it. Yeah, it'll be a five to two victory. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a novice to these uh, these prop bets. Seems like you guys have been doing them for a really long Years. time. Does it does it matter who has the safety? Does it matter? No, you know, it'd be, it'd be you know. any safety. Okay. Yep. All any right. safety. So doesn't matter how it happens. Foreign it concepts. Happen yep. Any matter. safety. So there, there's a big one that we talk about every year, and then I'll let Jared get into his next one. There's a big one we talk about every year, and I actually had it. I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago, but you know, there's never been a punt return in a Super Bowl. 
That's a fact. Punt return touchdown. That, correct. Punt return touchdown in Super Bowl. And two years ago, I had it, and it was a nice number. I think it was like minus 1,100 for a punt return. And the guy took it about 90 yards and ran out of gas on about the eight-yard line and got tackled. But he almost <laughs> took it home for the there's first nothing, punt return ever. Better than seeing that happen. Right? Couple, <laughs> a way to couple ruin, more, ruin, couple more miles on the treadmill. Yeah, ruin your viewing experience. The guy's about to take a first punt return touchdown in history, and you've got it long odds. All right, so what's your next one, Jared? All right, let me jump into a couple of these because I, I have some of them grouped up here and I can get, get through them relatively quickly. So bear with me because I don't think you guys are going to like any of these four bets, but they're focused on the Patriots, specifically Brady. Number one, Brady completions. 26 and a half, and you have to go over. Okay. So I've been shopping it around a lot. It started actually earlier this week. I think on Monday I saw it at 25 and a half at a bunch of places. Today, it's up to 27 and even 27 and a half in some of the books, depending on where you get it. But I still see one 26 and a half out there, which is what I took earlier this morning. You got to lay a little bit of odds at minus 135, but it's still Brady. And the, the way they throw the ball in terms of the game flow, they, they use short passes essentially as runs. Yeah, I was just about to say, their game plan overall on offense is that extension of the running game with those short passes. So you see a lot of extra completions to, to buff that number. So you're, you're actually hoping that they go down early so that they have to well, continue to throw. It's funny you say that because it actually doesn't matter. So in, the, in these two playoff games that they've played thus far, Brady has averaged 30 and a half completions across the board. One of those games... I wouldn't even say that they went down early because Tennessee, they blew them out. They were still throwing the ball the way that they normally do, and it proved out the same exact way against Jacksonville where they were down. So I actually don't think it matters the way the game plays out, at least in the first half, whether they're up or down. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to throw it to Danny Amendola. They're going to throw it to uh, their running backs, James White. They're, that's just the way that they do it, no matter what the circumstance in the game is. So but the projection, note, the projection of that, the projection of the game would certainly affect the way that line goes. No. I, again, I, not for the Patriots. I don't think so. I think for normal teams, the the logic is: if you're down, you're throwing; if you're up, you're running. The Patriots don't do it that way. It's interesting, and I, I think there's a point to that. Yeah. I think it's a good point that, and that the Patriots, they will, even in a situation where you have to kill clock, and you hear commentators will lose this during the game, right? He'll still hit James White on that three-yard swing pass because that's, that's just how their offense operates. So right? with an, you said an average of 30 to 30 and a half that Brady's had, what would cause that line to be down at 26 and a half? That's the way I'm thinking of it. You know, what would swing it so that, you know, as you look at Brady's averages, if he's up around 30 usually, why would it be – 26 and a half and that's what i would start thinking about because during the regular season his completions were much lower okay um so you know i i don't have the number in front of me i kind of dismiss that because again yeah it it could take into effect the eagles defense too you know how they operate over the years and it's a super regular season style is much different than it is in the playoffs the playoff football that they play is the real patriots football so i would expect the last two games to be a lot more important for the way that this game is going to play out than the previous 16 regular season games. But to answer your question, I think that that's why. And a lot of times when, when uh, odds makers set the line, they'll put it out there based on whatever number it is, uh, whether it's just a regular season average or whether it's a feeling, and then they'll let the market dictate where it goes. And that's exactly what happened here. So it opened at 25 and a half. It's up to 27 and a half. Gotcha. It'll probably keep going. It'll probably get to 28 yep. at some point. I like it. So you like getting that value as low as you can there, 26 and a half, 27 range. Yeah, I mean, with, with two weeks to bet these props, 
and I'm seeing it today as I look at all these numbers and stuff that I've written down over the last couple of days. If you identify the, what you want to bet on, typically, um, especially if you're doing it on popular players, you know, and over type of bets, no matter what they are, they're going to move up. So the earlier you can get bets like that in, the better. Because chances are, in a Brady completions and Brady attempts is my next one, they're not going to go down. They're only going to go up. All right. I love it. All right, so let's let's go. I want to do two more. So give me give me your favorite bet and give me your your best value pick for MVP. Well, I'll tell you. What, let me let me close out that Brady pass attempts because it's I, tied in with another one. And attempts, I had both of them for gotcha. the same exact reason. Okay. Brady completions twenty six and a half. Brady pass attempts thirty eight and a half. It's actually now moved up to thirty nine and a half, but still, it's I'm still looking at a forty five and a half attempt average in the playoffs as long as you get anywhere near 40 i think you're fine okay so so you're you want to take you want to get both of those numbers completion and attempts as low as you can and take the over yep okay i'm with you yeah cool. so so let's go last two like i said give me first give me your favorite bets your your favorite prop that you want to take and then give me your your best odds for mvp so the favorite prop is easy it's my favorite prop every year it's the overtime bet just like the safety bet it's the same type of a thing. It's it's hard to bet both of those and lay that much wood, but the numbers bear out, and the overtime bet is the perfect example of that. Now, obviously last year the game went into overtime, but that was the first, the first Super Bowl first to ever, ever go into overtime. Yep. So that's one out of 51. Yep. I mean, the, the percentage, you can figure it out yourself. It doesn't really matter. Right now, overtime, again, if, if you shop it around, you're going to get very different numbers, but the lowest I found is minus 1,000, that the game will not go into overtime. I mean, 10 to 1, 1 to 10, whatever you want to call it. You just have to take that number. I found it as high as minus 2,500, which is a crazy number. But that's probably closer to the true odds right. than where it should be. But talking about value and you talk about overtime, I don't expect it to happen. And last year is going to affect those numbers because people are going to remember that. So they're going to be betting on, yes, overtime. So I'm going the other way. I love it. All right, give me your, your best value for MVP. All right, so the MVP, I mean – the quarterback is the obvious MVP play, no matter which team. I mean, if the Patriots win, I don't really envision a scenario where Tom Brady doesn't win it. Just because he's the, so integrated into that offense, they don't really run the ball. They're not going to have a performance from Deion Lewis where he gets two touchdowns and 150 yards. It's just not going to happen. So when you're looking at that, you got to go Brady. If, the Eagles are a little bit different, though, because Nick Foles doesn't have to win that game. They could potentially win it a lot of different ways. You could go running back, and you could look at LeGarrette Blunt, but his odds aren't very good either. I mean, you're not getting much value there. So, honestly, with this one, I don't really like to normally do this, but I would rather just take a flyer on somebody like Malcolm Jenkins. I'm looking at him right now. He's at plus 10,000. And you know the, you know, you know the position that he's going to be put in, too. Maybe he's got a chance to make an interception, take a pick back to the house. Maybe he blitzes and gets a sack strip or something crazy. Right. We've seen it happen in the past with defensive players having just a weird, crazy game and winning it. Von Miller was the most recent. I mean, he's Von Miller, but usually defensive players aren't on the radar. I'm just going to take a flyer on somebody like Malcolm Jenkins. It's a, it's a very risk-reward 
It is, and that's what you do when you're looking for MVP, right? Because to Jared's point, if you're, and and I agree with everything he laid out for you, and I'm going to give you my MVP picks while we still have you here uh, where I like to go with the long shots because um, I love to dabble in the MVP each year, and I agree totally with your philosophy. See, the problem is with taking anybody on the Patriots' side of the ball, especially on offense, you have to envision if the Patriots win that game and it's going to go to them that it would go to Tom, and his odds are sitting now at like minus 300, right? There's no value in that bet. Now, with that, however, I did hear something this morning that um, you know Tom is looking at winning the, the NFL MVP tonight, and yeah. I did hear a, a stat. I forget what the numbers are exactly, but uh, the odds of the NFL MVP winning the Super Bowl it goes w- way down. Yeah, have you yeah, guys heard that? I don't that? know that that matters. I agree. No, it's just one of those it's things that gets thrown out there. It's like, oh, this has never yeah. happened, or you know, one of those weird things. So but, I'll tell you where I see value in the. MVP bets. So I love Malcolm Jenkins. That's on my sheet. Malcolm Jenkins plus 10,000 for 25 bucks, right? I mean, that's a huge payout for $25 for just a flyer bet or $50. So I love... It makes it fun. Yes. At least you got a shot at making some sort of a big payout. Right. Not not a big shot. For a minimal minimal risk, right? So I love that. Also, guys that I like are Alshon Jeffrey is sitting at plus 2,000. So I think there's some value there in a flyer. And even more so, Nelson Aguilar is at plus 3,000. So I could see either one of those guys, if they end up having a big day, more apt to give the MVP to them over Nick Foles for all the reasons that Jared pointed out, right? Um, And then the other one that I really like uh, was, and this one is, I feel like it's a tough one and there might not be a ton of value there, but only because of how special he is and how well he's played. I see Fletcher Cox at plus 2,500, and I feel like if he gets a sack and and he forces a fumble or something, that he could easily wind up winning that in a low-scoring game. So I think there's some value in Fletcher Cox at plus 2,500. I'm looking over the numbers right now in front of me, and I have to revise my statement about LeGarrette Blount. He's at plus 4,700, and now I kind of like it. I just... I thought I saw it lower earlier. I must have been mistaken. So let me I run. I have a LeGarrette Blunt one for you. I want to run by you both. So I saw, and I like this. So it, going back to what we talked about with the Patriots and sort of starting slower and not scoring in the first quarter, I have LeGarrette Blunt at the first TD in the game at plus 1,000. And I think there's good value there. I'll probably take that for a little bit. Well, that segues nicely into one of my prop bets, which is the shortest touchdown under 1.5 yards. So that's perfect LeGarrette Blount territory yep. right yep. there. So if they get it in on the goal line, they're going to give it to him. That's I like just, it. That's just what they're going to do. He's done, he did it on the Patriots. He's probably going to do it on the Eagles. And you always have the option, not necessarily the option, but you always have the possibility of the pass interference in the end zone, one-yard quarterback sneak or LeGarrette Blunt. I like both of them. I love it. So, Jared, we really appreciate you spending the time, taking the time with us here on From the Hill, my fellow Bash brother. Appreciate you calling Hold on, in. I got one more for you. Oh, go ahead. Go Give ahead. it to us. Give it to us. Fire away. So this is a fun one, and I've been doing, while I was on hold, I've been doing a lot of research on this. So I don't know. You may have to search around for this, but Pink, who's performing the national anthem. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. We, there we, is a prop we didn't about mention the color Pink. of her hair. Your choices are the, you know, the standard blonde, white, whatever you want to call it, which is what I'm going to go for, or green, blue, purple, red, all that nonsense. But Obviously, the favorite is natural, and it's blonde, and that's what I was going to go with anyway, but I started doing some research, and I was looking at it, and right now, I'm looking at her. See, this is how deep we go. I'm on her Instagram page, and they're showing Ooh. a shot from yesterday of her. What's that look like, Jared? Warming up, I should say. <laughs> blonde hair. I looked at her last performance, the Grammys, last weekend. Blonde hair. So, not only do I think minus 300, which is where I got it, is a value, 
I think it's an absolute lock. I love it. What do you got on green there? Green is plus 500. Now, remember, because, she because is from as, Philly. Yeah, as we know, she is a Bucks County girl, born and raised. I think she actually still lives in the area. And uh, I think green's – I go with green. I, I think she so has a tinge of green. another reason why I would agree with you if this was perhaps 10 years ago. Number one, you don't necessarily know she's an Eagles fan, so don't forget that. But – Assuming she is. Why? Because like some Eagles fans. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Some people that live in the area aren't Eagles fans. Here we go. How does that work? All right. Sorry. I want to get back to the. Tangent. I want to get back to the wagering because again, I <laughs> so what my point was. I think, especially with everything that's going on, we'll just say politically with the whole Me Too movement, which was part of her performance at the Grammys. I think she wants to convey a little bit more of a, let's just say, mature stand-up kind of normal female presence and do everything a little bit more down the middle now. She's a little bit older, for sure. So I, don't, I think she's moved away from the time where she goes with crazy pink or purple or, in this case, green hair. I think she sticks to the natural blonde for that reason on top of what I've already seen. I can't wait till she comes out with green hair. <laughs> well, gonna, you'll, you will be receiving a text. I was surprised. I think it should be probably a little bit higher than that. But. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, yeah, sorry I was cutting you off the first time there. But, uh, yeah, no, Jared, really appreciate you uh, checking in with us here on From the Hill. <laughs> Nikki's going to give you some parting music. You uh, you have fun checking out the game tomorrow and the rest of the day, and we will uh, we'll catch up with you later, my friend. All right, gentlemen. Good Thanks, luck. Jared. Thanks, Good Jared. talk to you, man. All right. So that is it, folks. Another From the Hill in the wraps. As always. We are not going out with this. Remember. <laughs> Remember, if you like the show, give us a like, give us a subscribe. We love the support. Hit up the profit, hit myself up. Let us know what you want to see. Everybody here in Philly is pumped for the Super Bowl. Nikki, give us a send off. Very excited. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Check back in next week. Again, if you want to get your swag, hit us up, text us, hit us on Facebook. Uh, we'll be coming back into the studio. Take your calls to see what you thought of the game. Uh, and let's go, Birds. Go, Birds. That's it. From the Hill, it's a wrap. Swags out. Thanks, guys. See you.